everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Insatiable Appetite. My name is Melissa Abbott, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Danielle Kleiner-Cantor. And um, I'm the VP of Retainer Services and Culinary Insights here at the Hartman Group. And uh, Danielle is my uh, counterpart here. We work very closely on a lot of the trends here at the Hartman Group, trend reports and uh, trend points of view. And uh, what's really interesting is that Danielle took a recent trip uh, to Copenhagen, where there are quite a lot of food trends happening. They're emanating from the Copenhagen area, um, very much in thanks to Rene Redzepi. Uh, if you're not aware of who Rene is, he's a, a rather famous Uber chef, if you will. Um, and he has uh, been at the helm of the uh, a top-rated restaurant for uh, in the world uh, for the last few years, in fact. And um, he is really driving a lot of the food trends, not just in Copenhagen, but across the globe um, that have also uh, been making their way, these trends, to the U.S. as well with his restaurant, Noma. Um, and there's a lot of things that are happening there that tend to be a bit highbrow. Um, but what we're finding is that he uses a lot of really interesting ingredients and preparation methods that aren't necessarily highbrow. They tend to be a little bit more in the, the realm of fermentation, a lot of foraging for local and wild ingredients. Um, so I just wanted to take this opportunity uh, to sit down with Danielle and hear a little bit more about like her highbrow and lowbrow experiences while um, being sort of a tourist in, in the Copenhagen region recently. So welcome, Danielle. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, it was an exciting time in Copenhagen. Got to experience a lot of different types of food, as you were saying, different techniques that chefs in Copenhagen are experimenting with, with their food. Today, I want to talk about two different things that I ate that stood out to me, both of which feature potatoes, which you typically think of as a very humble ingredient. So first, I want to talk about my lowbrow experience, which was at Bruce, which is a brew pub in Copenhagen, and I had fermented french fries. Wow. Pretty exciting. Yes. So these french fries are one of the stars of Bruce's menu. They are fermented for about nine days. When the potatoes are raw, they're double fried, and then they come with a really interesting condiment. It's a fermented mushroom mayonnaise. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yes, it was delicious. Um, So I want to talk about the taste of these french fries because it was really exciting and just a little bit different than a typical french fry. So when you think of a typical french fry, it's salty, it's crispy, it's delicious, but these fermented french fries had a tang to them that was a little bit more nuanced than a typical fry and really exciting with that added fermentation to it. Can I just interject there? I love this idea of such a um, a humble food, as you mentioned, the potato. And a brew pub, obviously, their greatest draw is going to be their amazing beer. It is Denmark, um, of course. But then to have a French fry that's fermented, and you mentioned, like, how how it kind of elevated this, you know, more lowbrow food. And it sounds like it was, like, when I think of fermented things, there's a pungency to them that's really um, much more enticing and savoring and 
delicious. So like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it just sounds so fantastic with this idea of a new mommy uh, rich uh, dipping sauce with this mushroom mayo condiment. So just had to kind of jump in there for a moment. Absolutely. Yes, you are totally right. It, the tanginess was one of the most exciting parts of the French fry and a flavor that I didn't know was going to be in there with the fermentation. But if you think about fermentation, that's a lot of times what it adds to the products. If you think of kombucha or sauerkraut, it's that sort of tanginess that's really exciting and that was great to add to the French fry. And then the umami mushroom condiment really balanced out that tanginess and wouldn't have been as good of a compliment had the french fry not been fermented like that. For sure. So you've got like this um, grounding element of the mushroom mayonnaise. So you've got the fat and the umami from the, or the fifth, fifth element taste, if you will, from the mushroom paired then with this pungency of the fermented french fry, which is so totally uh, innovative uh, that it makes me think like what could we we'll get into this in a little bit but it just makes me think of like gosh what we what could we be doing in the US with more humble ingredients and fermentation so sorry just like I keep having all these wonderful ideas about what we can um, suggest to some of our clients so um, what else did you experience now that was a fantastic element of lowbrow cuisine in the humble potato did you experience potatoes in in any other way that might have been more highbrow uh, while you were in Copenhagen I sure did Melissa (laughs) (laughs) Um, and please interrupt away Um, yes so at a mass which is a restaurant by chef Matt Orlando who is an alumni of Noma one of the interesting things that I ate there was a potato skin fudge. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So to describe what this potato skin fudge is, because it's probably not very intuitive, it is basically potato skins that have been cooked down, almost caramelized with sugar. And this sort of gooey potato skin mixture is now rolled into a ball. And then it's rolled in a potato skin powder. Yes. So it basically looks like a little ball of truffle, essentially. Okay. Or fudge. Sure. Um, And you just pop it in your mouth, you chew it, and the flavors are really exciting that come out from this really simple dessert. It's salty, it's creamy, it's caramely. It's carb-rich, which is something that we always need in our lives every once in a while, despite all the low sugar and paleo and Whole30 type things. This sounds like a good way to break one of those diets. Absolutely. It's very easy to break any kind of (laughs) diet when eating in Copenhagen. Yes, so... Um, so can I interrupt, Danielle? I'm curious about such a high, you know an amazing, cool restaurant mm-hmm. um, with an alum from Noma, and you know trained alongside with Renee Redzepi. So obviously, this restaurant is pretty interesting and um, presenting things in a you know in somewhat more of an academic way, uh, delicious flavors that get you to think a little bit more. And seriously, you know, potato fudge is going to get you to think a lot, you know, about what you're about to put in your mouth when. You you're at a restaurant with this kind of caliber. Now, tell me a little bit, because uh, I'm, I'm 
curious because I know that in Copenhagen there's a lot of effort around food waste. So did, were these potato skins part of something else uh, within the dining experience at Masa? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, you're totally right. So food waste is a big emphasis in Copenhagen in general. And Chef Matt Orlando uh, brings that to the ethos of his restaurant at Amass. It's actually one of the core principles that drives the creativity of the food that he creates there. Um, And so this potato skin fudge is no exception to that. Uh, The potato skins are actually a byproduct of a fermented potato bread that we ate earlier in the meal. Okay. All right. Now we're talking, right? Yeah. Very cool. (laughs) Yeah. And that potato bread in itself was delicious. And we also ate two other types of potato dishes throughout the meal, which really speaks to how Chef Orlando cares about food waste and implements this idea of upcycling, as we like to say at the Hartman Group, um, into his thought process about food and creating a menu. So not only is this potato skin fudge uh, using the skins from this fermented potato bread, but they also create a a crisp using day-old potato bread that they pulverize and fry it with tapioca, kind of like a chicharron Mm, is what it was like. So it's like a Nordic chicharron. I dig it. I dig it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, that was pretty cool. And then we had one, actually one more potato bread crisp with some fish on top of it. Oh, very Nordic though. Okay. So that might not necessarily translate as well in a lot of, uh, the U.S. restaurants, especially when it comes to the, uh, you know, a little bit too much potato, we, we like a little more variety. But So it makes more sense in a, in a Nordic country like, like Denmark. This has me thinking. I, I love this idea of just thinking about the highbrow, lowbrow uh, interpretation of such a humble ingredient and such a delicious ingredient that is so often overlooked, that being the potato. Uh, you know, when I think about food manufacturers here in the U.S., there seems like there's so many opportunities to take uh, more humble starches, um, whole ingredients that um, are often, you know, used in other cultures, you know, from a, a, that are fermented and kept for longer periods that also imbue a lot of health and wellness properties. Clearly, the French fries were not necessarily conveying health and wellness, but deliciousness. So that's the cool thing about fermentation, though um, you can certainly uh, have a lot of the health and wellness benefits of fermentation, but there's a deliciousness that happens with the layered and nuanced flavors, like that pungency we were talking about with the the French fry. Um, And then I just love this idea of the um, recycling and and upcycling the um, potato skins um, from another angle as well. It just seems like there's so much uh, white space opportunity for CPG manufacturers and for food service to start to play around with this idea of fermenting things like sweet potatoes, tubers, um, you know, cassava root, uh, as well as all the different kinds of potatoes that we have growing um, available here in the U.S. It just seems that they're from a delicious standpoint. Um, and as well as a health and wellness standpoint, it seems like even the frozen food sector would be able to avail of a lot of opportunity here. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm more of the um, Gen X uh, generation, uh, and you are definitely millennial, so you and I have a lot 
of conversations that are pretty interesting when it comes to, you know, we're we're a little food obsessed, right? <laughs> I would I would definitely I would totally agree with you, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, Danielle and I tend to have some pretty interesting conversations about um, what's happening happening in the food space from a trend perspective. We do not like to call ourselves foodies, um, but we would definitely say that we are um, a little more food obsessed because it really is more reflective of just the curiosity I think we bring to it. So with that, Danielle, what do you think are, about from your generation, the, you know, the millennial generation, in terms of upcycling ingredients? Because the older generations, you know, boomers and to some extent Gen Xers, we you might see the, this consumer saying, you know, I don't want byproduct or I don't want a, you know thing like skins or things like that in my in my uh, foods. I don't want to have to pay a, va- al- a value-added aspect to, to that um, product. Whereas it seems like millennials see that as a benefit, as a true value-add when it's using ingredients that might have been, you know, gone to waste, essentially. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree with you. I think that, you know, as a millennial myself, but also here at the Hartman Group, we do a lot of research on generational insights and seeing how we research millennials and what they like. Um, I, I do think that millennials are looking for companies to be creative and innovative, and upcycling is one avenue that companies can take to exemplify their creativity and their ingenuity. Um, and you know, if if they continue with R and D and just listening to consumers and looking at restaurants like Amass, taking inspiration from chefs like Matt Orlando or Renee Redzepi, um, they can learn a lot about what is on the forefront and what progressive consumers and millennials as well are, are interested in and what, what they, they respond to. I, I love that perspective. I love that perspective. And it isn't just in Denmark either. So when we think about Dan Barber, who is an amazing award-winning chef and author here in the U.S., who has had helped Sweetgreen with a whole upcycled salad with all the trimmings, essentially, that became one of Sweetgreen's most popular salad items. So certainly that's a little bit more of a democratic place offering that you can go and experience um, at Sweetgreen um, from a chef like Dan Barber. And then even here in the U.S., um, there's a really popular restaurant in San Francisco uh, called Owl's Place that has been doing um, a fermented French fry for the last five or so years, um, and he still has lines out the door, and he has a training similar to a Rene Redzepi. So, but it's in a much more casual neighborhood environment. Mind you, there's also a smoked apple uh, sauce that goes along with that pickle. It's kind of like a pickled ketchup, a pickled French fry. So, you know, it's not just Denmark. Um, It is also here in the U.S. where we see innovation happening. And I think it's, you know, time where the food manufacturers and retailers start to look at what's happening in terms of uh, being able to tap into the ingenuity of these chefs like Dan Barber and Al um, London at Al's Place in San Francisco and and over in Copenhagen and start to tap into that idea of uh, really using fermentation for deliciousness, using upcycling as a way to tap into um, the you know younger mindset of consumers and that they see that as a value add uh, and not just something that is going to be a, you know, a nice thing that you should be doing by making sure that you're um, participating in in the reduction of food waste. So uh, this has been a great conversation, and um, I I personally think that it's we 
love talking to clients about this kind of thing. So if anyone has any questions about, you know, how to imbue a level of deliciousness uh, from fermentation or uh, any other time-honored food um, production method, um, or how to leverage the idea of upcycling in their portfolio, uh, feel free to reach out. We're here to chat and uh, provide our perspective on how to you know, remain relevant uh, for now and in the long term uh, in the food industry. So Danielle, any other thoughts before we close out for today? I think that's all for me. Great, thanks so much everyone. And we'll uh, catch you next time on the next edition of The Insatiable Appetite.